So last week, you'll remember that we left off with the sailors trying everything they could to keep from throwing Jonah into the sea. They realized as they rowed harder and harder, their their efforts were in vain as they began to understand that the Lord was doing as he pleased, that the, the wind, the storm, the tempest was from his hand, and they grew in their understanding through this trial. They understood what God was doing. They were starting to see his hand at work, and ultimately, I believe they came to know the Lord um, in a display of grace on God's behalf. So they did all that and threw Jonah into the sea, and that's where we find him here. In Jonah 1.17, we read, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I wonder, and I, I don't have a clear, really, conviction or, or leading either way, of did the sailors see Jonah get swallowed by the fish? I wonder. I think maybe they did. And can imagine what that would have looked like. It would have been horrifying, I think, to see somebody swallowed alive by a fish. I think there was probably a measure of horror on Jonah's part as he realized uh, he was being sucked into the mouth of a great fish. Sadly, for, for most in the world and even several within the church itself, this is what they know of Jonah. This verse is kind of the, the climax. This is what they, they know about, what they talk about. If we were to ask, just generally speaking, what do you know about Jonah? Some form of verse 17 would probably be reflected upon, maybe quoted. We know, and we've spent several weeks now studying Jonah, that there's so much more to Jonah. And, and this, this miracle that we're about to explore, again, as we've said multiple times, isn't even the greatest miracle in the book of Jonah. We'll get to that in chapter 3. But this is a significant part of the story. There's a, a significant picture of Christ in this account here in verse 17. And again, we won't exhaust that topic, but I want to spend just a, a few moments this morning just kind of talking about some of the phrases here in verse 17. Beginning with that thought of prepared, we see here that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And the, the thought of that word is literally appointed, weighed out, or ordered. It's the same word that we see later in chapter 4 in verses 6, 7, and 8, where God prepares a plant, a worm, and a wind to deal with Jonah. God is very purposeful in his work. He appoints things in, in Jonah's life to teach him, to bring him to understanding, to grow his learning as he does with us. We'll just look at a couple uses of this same word. Uh, first in Job chapter 7, verse 3, it says, So I've been allotted months of futility, and worrisome nights have been appointed me. Job speaking here. And in, in Daniel chapter 1, in verse 5, we see the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of wine, which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end they might be or they might serve before the king. And again, this word simply means to prepare, to order. We can see in those two verses that we just read, God has a plan. He thinks things through. It's not just happenstance. It's not just wake up in the morning, what, what should we do today? The Lord has, from beginning of time, from eternity past to eternity future, trying to conceptualize God's eternity, his ever-knowing, his all-knowing, he has appointments set for us. And even in this case of what we see before Daniel here, these weren't necessarily bad things. They were delicacies that probably wouldn't have killed Daniel. Um, they probably weren't poisonous, but we understand that they weren't for his good. They weren't for his best. Um, 
Brother Greg often speaks about good, better, and best. They might have been okay for Daniel, but they weren't what was best for him. God appoints and orders for our good and for our best. Man does not. And we know the result there for Daniel was by not partaking of that and taking and waiting on God for his best, his countenance was far better than the men who partook. And then they all got to eat vegetables. I'm sure Daniel won a popularity contest after that. We know in our own lives a passage that has sustained me and comforted me many different times. We won't turn there this morning. It's familiar. Is Jeremiah 29:11, where it says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. There is purpose in everything that the Lord does. And as I was reflecting and studying this lesson, I asked, well, I think the Spirit asked me, is what, what has been appointed in your life? And do we always appreciate those appointments? You know, just naturally speaking, we make appointments for a lot of things. Uh, just this past week, I had an appointment with a dentist for my semi-annual checkup. And I don't like the dentist. I don't dread it, but it's just more of an inconvenience than anything. Again, it's good. It's necessary to get your teeth cleaned and all that sort of thing. But it's kind of a pain to rearrange your day, your schedule, and it's six months out. I, I think I planned my next one in April or something. It's, I won't remember it till they call me the day before, like, hey, are you coming tomorrow? And it's just kind of inconvenient. But the appointment that I make is for my good. It's set in the future so that I can keep my teeth clean and healthy. So much in our life, we, we sometimes just forget that God appoints things for us to go through. God appoints things to accomplish his will, to grow us in our understanding. And it's something that at times we can get familiar with and we can maybe lose sight of, but it's something we should pause and reflect on what he appoints for us and maybe put a greater value on it than we do at times. In Psalm 90, verse 12, we read, So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, to gain, to increase, to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. As we number our days and we appreciate how short and fleeting this life is, again, we're reminded of that just this week again with another tragedy in our country. Life is short and days are fleeting. We need to make sure we're investing our time in the appointments God has made for us, seeking those out to gain understanding, to to better know his working, all in the context of Jeremiah 29, 11, where we know that he's working for our good. He has plans to prosper us and not hurt us. And that's not just prosperous naturally. That's spiritually to grow us in an understanding, a fuller measure of knowing his work. In Psalms 147, again, we understand who this is that we look to for guidance, for direction, for understanding. The one who counts the numbers of the stars, he calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. Again, that is our resource. That is our tutor. That is the one that we can come to for help. His understanding is infinite. Again, just in the natural, when we go to get help on something or we have a mentor at work or whatever it might be, we typically rely on that person or or call upon that person when we need direction or guidance in something that we may not understand. How great, how blessed are we to go to the Almighty God whose understanding is infinite. We can know that those appointments that he makes, the things that he appoints in our lives, even if it's being figuratively swallowed by a fish, are for our good. In Jonah's life, this fish was prepared 
to preserve his life. Again, at first reading, at first conceptualizing what this is to be swallowed by a fish, we would think that that would end in a bad thing. Again, we if you've watched Shark Week, and we won't get into the depths of that, but usually fish-eating people doesn't turn out good. But in this case, it was ordered of the Lord. It was appointed of the Lord to preserve life, life through death. Jonah's experience here, I think we could say, is rather unique. We don't read of others being swallowed by a fish. Um, I don't personally know anybody who's been swallowed by a fish and, and led and lived to tell about it. But just because that experience is somewhat unique to Jonah, what he was experiencing before, during, and after being in the belly of that fish was not unique to him. We understand those trials, those doubts, those, those challenges that we have in our natural body, our natural lives, are common to all mankind. They're common to us today. And God works in them. God grows us. His understanding is infinite. The life of a believer is often marked by these events that we go through, that by our experiences, we then become best suited to discharge the testimony of the Lord. When we go through things, it allows us to gain an experience, one, of understanding the Lord's faithfulness, but maybe it prepares us to talk to somebody else who's going through the same thing. Again, to show empathy and a caution because there is, a, I think, a sensitivity needed in ministering to somebody going through a trial. But the Lord allows us to go through things, one, for our own experience and understanding that when we go through another trial, we've seen and known his faithfulness in our lives, that he's going to continue to be faithful still. But this, this trial that we go through, it, these, these things we go through sometimes really are to prepare us to help others, to learn Again, maybe we go through a smaller trial so that when a big trial comes up, we understand how to get through it. Our faith grows, our understanding grows, our skills grow. And I, I would have hesitated to mention this example, except for our pastor talks about him all the time, so I feel like I've got the liberty to do so, um, is Daniel LaRusso, right? One of our pastor's all-time favorite heroes, um, and mine too, is... You remember in the Karate Kid, he went through all these things that were very individualized, compartmentalized. And and again, uh, Mr. Miyagi got a nice new deck, a painted fence, and all those things out of this ordeal. But when he put it all together, he understood these little things that I I was doing was preparing me for the bigger fight, the battle. Again, our experiences, our trials, it seems so compartmentalized, so small at times. And why are we doing this? Why are we waxing on and waxing off? And all these things that, again, in our minds just seem futile and annoying at times, the Lord is preparing us and growing us. He's helping us to have that understanding that when that fish comes up in our lives, whatever that may be, when that trial comes up and that request of the Lord to go do something that isn't fun, that isn't something we desire to do, we can do it and be successful in it. Jonah was three days here in the belly of a fish. And again, as we we talk about that, we understand, so too the Son of Man was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He, he explains that in his time. We see Jonah becoming this great picture of grace, of forgiveness, of salvation. Jonah was then, by this experience, becoming a living example of God's plan of redemption. Again, that certainly lends some credibility in his discharging of the word to Nineveh later on. But it paints such a picture for us to see and know and understand the love of our Savior, who was going to himself die for our sins be three days and three nights and raise again. 
This is what Christ was going to experience for all mankind. He was going to taste death without corruption and return to life to offer redemption to those who would believe. In Luke, we see in Luke 11.30, we see Jonah was an example to the Ninevites. And Jesus quoted this, or spoke this rather. In Luke 11.30, said, For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be for this generation. Jonah, not knowing in the moment and the time, was becoming a testimony for those later on. More immediate for the Ninevites, but even for us today, even in Jesus' ministry, he's pointing back to this one who was dead and lived again. Jesus was showing this was going to be his method. He was telling them, I am going to die and live again. Guilty Jonah was saved from the jaws of death, and he gives ray a light, a great, excuse me, gives a ray of hope and light to guilty Nineveh. Again, we too can become living examples, living stones and testimonies of the grace of God as we go through things and we allow him to work and put us on display before others. I pray we remember this as we go through life and these, these difficult situations, that the Lord is using them. They're appointed of his hand, and he's preparing us. Now we'll move into chapter 2 of Jonah, and we see Jonah hit rock bottom, literally in the belly of a great fish in the depths of the sea. Again, as he's thrown overboard, he understands, he recognizes, he says, this storm is because of me, throw me overboard. And they did, reluctantly. And Jonah could have felt sorry for himself. He could have doubled down. He could have just cashed it in and given up. But as he's swallowed by this fish, we're going to see throughout chapter 2 some growth in Jonah. We're going to see some reflection on his life, reflection on what he knows about God. He realized in this moment that he was wrong, that God is still God, and that God is smarter than him. His ways are higher. He remembered and prayed to the Lord. Again, as we go through this uh, I look at this prayer and think about a lot of times we reflect on things at, at work. A lot, we call them a, a post-incident analysis, and we look back and think, well, how could we have better prepared for this, or what could we have done differently in this situation? And as I was reflecting on this, this prayer, as I, I read it of, no, of Jonah, um, this was all good. The things he prays are all good. They're all scriptural. But could he just have had this conversation before we ended up in the belly of a fish. Could he, when, when the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, I need you to go speak to Nineveh, instead of fleeing and running away, could he just have paused and, and had this conversation with the Lord? Again, not from a position of anger, doubt, and fear per se, but he could have expressed his feelings, his questions. Does not the Lord call us today to present our supplications to him, our requests to make them known and to do it with thanksgiving? Again, Paul himself pleaded three times, and the Lord, through that, taught him his grace was sufficient. We can take advantage of the opportunity that is ours and not try to do it our way first, not try to flee in our own methods first, but come to him, have that conversation, and speak to him. Unfortunately, Jonah did not, and he finds himself in the belly of a fish. And that's where we'll pick up here in verse 1 of chapter 2. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, we read, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. 
Jonah prayed. Again, what a privilege is ours. What an opportunity is ours. It's so easy for us to pray. We, we have so much opportunity. We can literally pause at any moment of the day and turn to the Lord. I pray that because of that, it doesn't just become something common. That we always place an extreme value on the privilege that is ours to call upon the Lord. It's essential to our walk of faith. It's essential to us as air and food and water day in and day out is to commune and talk with the Lord, to thank him, to make our supplications and requests known to him. Jonah recognized this, remembered this, and cried out to the Lord. Again, I think it's important that we understand Jonah here is praying. He is conscious. He's not in some comatose state. He is living in the belly of this fish. And again, as we go through chapter 2, the the entirety of Jonah's prayer here, I I needed to be reminded as I read it because I think I literally read it at all of two minutes is all it takes to read chapter 2. It's pretty short. But this event lasted three days and three nights. And for me, as I, I begin to think about that, that's a long time. You know, it depends what you're doing three days, if that's really a long time or not. But to be in the belly of a fish... And I don't want to be gross and graphic, but bellies aren't really nice places. They're not clean places. I mean, there's a lot of good things that happen there, but just generally speaking, we've all seen what comes out of a belly, and it's not good, clean, or nice. Jonah was in an uncomfortable state. I imagine it was dark. He was in the depths of the sea, in the in the belly of a fish. You know, I remember reading some papers back stories to our kids of, you know, it shows him sitting in the belly of the fish with this nice little lantern. Like, no, Jonah didn't have a lantern. He wasn't camping in the belly of this fish. Three days and three nights. That's remarkable. I mean, that's, that's a long time. But I think it's exactly what Jonah needed. He needed to get quiet before the Lord. He needed to pray to the Lord. There was, he needed to be in this uncomfortable state to reflect upon where he was at. Again, there's a lot of things in my mind. There's a lot of curiosity of how this all transpired. Again, but I, as I come to it, and there's no real clear answers to it, I don't think it's important. I put up a slide here, and again, we're not going to go through all this. If you want to jot them down, that's fine. But, but I'm putting this up just to, re, to show that as we read through Jonah's prayer here in chapter 2, there's a lot of familiarity in it, and there's a lot of psalms that, that Jonah references, at least in part. And I think that's important. Because it shows that Jonah understood who the Lord was. He had the word of God in his heart. And again, this is something that's a comfort and a reminder to me. This truly is a treasure that we can draw out any time in our lives. And the Lord actually reminded me of this last night. I woke up in the middle of the night after a bad dream. And again, I know that sounds like I'm a kid and I need a cup of warm milk. But it was, it was an awful dream. Nothing horrific happened in it, but my heart was literally hurting. I was not at peace. I was aching for what this dream was about. And the Lord brought this to me. He said, think on my word. And I just started reflecting on the word of God, and it brought peace, and I was quickly back to sleep. The Lord gives us peace. He gives us understanding through his word. He wants us to remember it. He wants us to hide it in our hearts. Again, not just so that we can repeat it, not that we can just quote it to somebody to show how smart and how holy and how pious we are. But he wants us to know it so that it changes us, so that it transforms us, so that it guides us in our lives. We just went through a study of first fruits, and one of those was to prepare the word of God. Our pastor reflected on the word needs to be prepared. 
just like that grain, we need to prepare this in our hearts so that it's ready for us. We need to be in church. We need to study. We need to hear the word of God. It's important for us to assemble together. It's important for our children to be here. It's important for our young ones to be up here and learn the word of God. Understanding they make noise. At times they're distractions. There's no way around that. They're doing parkour off the altar. But our prayer is one day soon, they're going to be kneeling at that altar. They're going to be weeping before the Lord. Saints, we need to pray for these young ones. Pray for these families. This is where they need to be. This is a blessing to be here. We are blessed to have and we are blessed to hear those cries behind us because we know it's a generation coming up that has the opportunity to know the Lord and to go on with him. The Lord is so good to us. He was so good to Jonah to prepare that fish for him. It's reflective of what Jeremiah says. I'll just read it quickly here too, where he he felt silenced. He felt like he was cut off and he said, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ear from my sighing, my cry for help. Again, Jeremiah understood what it was to feel cut off, to feel isolated. Jonah felt that himself. Again, the Psalms reminds us that we don't need to be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Again, not that those things just disappear, but we have a privilege to call upon the Lord. That he sustains, that he he enables, he empowers. Paul and Silas in prison, again in Acts 16, they prayed. Again, they were in jail, imprisoned unjustly, unfairly. And they prayed, and there was a great earthquake, and everyone's chains were loose, and it was an opportunity again. None of us probably would sign up to be in prison against our own will. But if it was for this moment to be a testimony, to be a life-changing instrument by the grace of God to these ones around us, Paul submitted, surrendered, and took advantage of the opportunity the Lord put before him. Jonah cried out, going on in verse 2 of that chapter, he cried out in affliction and recognized that the Lord would hear him. Understanding that in my distress, again, that's Psalms 121, he he says, in my distress I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Very reflective of what Jonah prays himself. God hears the prayer of his children, certainly in moments of distress, and, and it's not always an instant deliverance, but we can be given to prayer at all times, regardless of the situation. And we'll turn over to Acts chapter 10. That's really small. I apologize for that. But in Acts chapter 10, we see this man, Cornelius, Picking up in verse 30 of Acts 10, it says, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in, the bright, in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms remembered in the sight of God. Again, what a comfort to Cornelius to know that his prayer had been heard. We have that comfort assurance in our heart that our prayers are heard by the Lord. Again, this was... Cornelius's matter of life, if you go back to verse 2, I'll just read it to you. This is the testimony given about this man, Cornelius. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. What a testimony. And this man was a Roman. He was not a Jew. God heard the prayer of this man and understood his need. Again, just an interesting side note tied here to Cornelius as Cornelius was calling for Peter, and when Peter was beckoned, he was in Joppa. 
the same place that Jonah departed to get on the boat. So two men standing in Joppa that the Lord is dealing with, Peter answers and goes and does his will. Jonah flees and does not. The Lord puts opportunity before us to surrender, to yield. Jonah goes on and he says, I cried out of the belly of Sheol, and you heard my voice. Again, we see a reference and picture to Christ here. We'll go to Matthew chapter 12 and wrap up with this this morning. In Matthew 12, verses 39 and 40. Verse 39 says, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of earth. Jonah thought himself to be dead. He said, I'm in the belly of Sheol, the place of the dead. This, this is it. And he's praying. And I don't, again, think that he had this expectation that he was just going to be vomited out onto dry ground to continue on in his walk. He's praying, and this, these are some heartfelt words, I think, from Jonah's perspective. But again, what a picture of the Lord set before us. The Lord himself actually tasted death. He lay in the tomb for three days and three nights. That was by that death was powerless to keep him or to harm him. David said, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Again, what a blessing we have to know that death could not, did not keep our Savior, that our Savior is risen. He is ascended and seated at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us daily. He tasted death for all he has overcome and conquered death. So we too can cry out, as Paul did, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Jonah was as good as dead when the sailors threw him overboard, yet God made a way of escape, a way of salvation through death, and brought redemption. What a picture of grace in our lives. And we will pick back up there next week. Lord bless you.